I don't know what it was. He's walking upright like a man. Sightings in and around Vermont. Bigfoot sightings across New England have been reported. Red glowing eyes, about seven feet tall. Red eyes, big old fangs, claws coming out through. Three inches long, you know, just sharp as they could be. There has been another UFO sighting flying over the Royal Botanic Gardens. There are 500 UFO sightings in the world every month. The truth is out there. I had a rather eventful day yesterday. Um, okay. So I only have two forks. I used to have... Um... I used to have eight plus forks. Uh, how, okay, wait a second. You only have two forks. I used to have a a, 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 a a cornucopia of forks. There's only two forks now, John. There's only two forks. And here's the thing. I have a toddler. The toddler can't reach the forks. Erica yeah. sometimes brings her lunch to work. So I checked her lunchbox in her okay. locker and I asked her, the forks have been coming back. She, she, the forks aren't being lost at work. I'm not leaving the forks around the house in the, in the basement or in my office. I've, I've did a massive fork search. There are okay. no forks. There are mm-hmm. no forks. So then I had a little moment yesterday where I was like, I'm going to go down this little rabbit hole. And I just started to Google missing forks. And John, it turns out if you okay. look for missing forks, there's a lot of so, stuff that comes up. There's the science of missing forks, and then there's also John. There's also a lot of spiritualism behind the significance of missing uh, forks. Your spirit uh, guides are talking to you, Brandon. Yeah. I I I just before this podcast, I saw that like I I opened up Discord because I do that, and I just see this the spiritual meaning of missing forks. Pay attention to spirit guides. Yeah, Brandon, I have something to tell you. Never once in my life have I lost a fork. But beyond that, John, so I went into Google Trends, right? So if you look for a disappearing fork or missing fork in Google Trends, there's going to be a spike. Around around every time my forks go missing, there's a spike of people searching for missing forks. It's always the, the, the latter end of a month bleeding into the start of the next month. John, it's, 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 they just talked about UAPs. They just talked about UAPs. Okay, I have some stuff to say about that, but, like, okay. The aliens are stealing our forks. The highest interest in forks was November 6th and November 12th in 2022 in the past 12 months, just to let you know. It's Which a pattern. is baffling to me. It's is a it? pattern. I mean, not really. I'm looking at the data, and it's not a very good pattern. There's a note. <laughs> oh, improvement to our data collection system was applied from... One one twenty twenty two. Okay. There's a conspiracy of forks. So what does it mean when you lose your fork? Did you did you read that or it's I read it. It's your spirit guides are taking your forks away to tell you to slow down and like be more more uh uh pay attention to the present. But John, as I was going down that... this fork rabbit hole, because our that Discord channel that only you and I have access to would have yeah. been filled with fork-related information. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me pull out my phone. But while I was in the middle of um, uh, going down fork brain, um, I got a text from uh, Clay Sinclair, who, by the way, at the end of everything was like, if you want, you can use this for content. So shout out to you, Clay. So I'm going down this fork <laughs> rabbit hole, and I get a text that's, that says, um, uh, 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 oh, God, where is it? Um, let's see. Oh, here we go. Is it normal to relive 
your development and birth or uncontrollable face switches. And then I just go, no idea. And then I, he goes, Brandon, I'm high and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, he sent he sent me a picture of it and i uh i was like i was like tell me because he was talking about like watching the the uh the second transformers movie uh yeah. revenge of the fallen and i'm like tell me how the devastator joke and um the wheel the 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 last wheel joke are cuz <laughs> he just sends me up like a picture of uh uh like two 25 milligram edibles and it's like I'm going to try this. Oh no. <laughs> I that wasn't exactly what he sent me. I didn't I don't have it in front of me, but it was ba- yeah. basically that. Basically that. Um, have I it was so funny and then I was just like I didn't realize this was a first time and a first time too high so I was like get Studio Ghibli or I think you should leave and some Hot Pockets and I didn't realize that's where we were (laughs) I felt like I pooped myself I'm getting more lucid and then I sent a link to um very important videos playlist on YouTube ah yes because I was like this is probably fair has been losing videos because there's a lot of videos on there. There's a lot. And then he, he goes, I listened to this. It's called Reflecting Our Time Dream Peace Song. I'm not going to play it, but it's the most ambient, ethereal mute song I've ever heard. So does it take you immediately to uh, uh, to Woodstock when you listen to it? <laughs> it's It's... It made the, uh, the, the kind of out of context, I relived my birth. It made that make more sense. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh. Um. (laughs) Keep on killing it, Clay. That shit was funny. (laughs) So, did I tell you, um, uh, I I don't know if I want to talk about this on the podcast, but I'm going to talk about it. Okay. Um, so we... Like like edibles and stuff are legal in New York State now, right? They are, yeah. Um, so I got possession of some edibles, and I cut them to smaller pieces because I was I didn't want to have a too high moment. Yeah, because uh, I've never gotten high. The only time that I've really been high is when I had to take medication because I had like a fever of one hundred and four. Yeah, which um, you don't want. No, no, that was actually really scary. Um yeah. terrifying actually cuz everything was weird shapes and sizes. Like the house felt huge and everything in it felt tiny. Almost it was as, fun. As if your brain was overheating. Yeah, it's yeah. great. I loved it. Um which is not true at all. Uh so anywho, do you want to know who I got those those edibles from? Who are so before we go like you can just get them from like gas stations and like stores and shit. You just go to a store. Yeah, but who do you think who do you think is responsible for me getting my hands on edibles? Okay. Okay, there's three people total who I could think of. Uh-huh. It, it's between two. Okay. And does the last name start with a D? No. F? No. Whoa! Actually, wait. Last name does start with a D. Sorry. It's not the person I was thinking of. Who'd you get it from? But I, my mom. 
Because <laughs> she takes she takes them to help her fall asleep. Like, yeah. she takes, like, a quarter of one to fall asleep. Yeah, take one and relax, have some cool dreams or something. So it turns out um, the only thing that, ed- like, weed edibles do to me is make me tired. Fair. I don't, I don't like, react to them in the slightest. Yeah. I, I've take tried. Take them before bed, then. I don't know. I've tried multiple like amounts to see if I could yeah. like if I could get high and it just didn't work for me and I don't know what's up. But then again, I also have like weird drug tolerances. So yeah. So after this, knows? type in uh, Joey Diaz stars of death. <laughs> He's a comedian who takes like I don't know if there are like 500 or 1000 milligrams star-shaped gummies and like he has a podcast, and he'll he doesn't say what they are necessarily. He'll just give them to like his guest, and they'll be like, "I have to lay down." That's unethical. <laughs> um, unless they know that they're about to get high from having it, like even then, I feel like it's unethical. Even if they know they're going to get it's high, a, it's that's... a thing in the stand-up comedy world where everyone just knows he has like a ridiculous tolerance, and then he'll go up to you and be like. Hey, I brought you something. And they'll be like, this isn't one of your crazy shits. And he'd be like, nah, nah, and just take five. And they'll be like, all right, if he just took five, then I'm fine. But they really are crazy. And he's just like, I'm having a panic attack. And then, like, fuck up people's flights home and shit. Oh, no. It's so funny. Uh, Not ethical. Uh, uh. No, not ethical in the slightest. Um, So I do want to take a second, because you mentioned the UAP stuff. When you're talking about your forks. Um. If you haven't, if you haven't read my uh, my thread on whatever the fuck you're supposed to call it now, because I'm not gonna call it what he's calling it. Yeah. Uh, the, the the Twitter. I'm not calling it the new thing. Period. I just am not. I'm like three steps away from completely uninstalling the app because I think it's the dumbest fucking <coughs> thing I've ever seen. So one, um, it's very funny. I'm sorry to cut you off. It's very funny that to have someone that just does things but doesn't do the like let's look into stuff market research at all say for example there's a a minimum character limit on say the Uh apple you know app store of two Uh uh-huh well now your stupid app (laughs) you can't do the thing you wanted to do wait there's a minimum character limit it's still twitter on fucking apple you can't store. you can't search it on <laughs> nope on the apple that's amazing <laughs> that's fucking great i love it like, oh my god that stuff i have to deal with at work all the time is they'll that's like be new unique type of numbering systems and then i'll have to be like is this a thing our database can do and i all the time i have to look into like character types character values and limits and that's just a thing that didn't happen <sighs> Anywho, um, he's also getting rid of the term tweeting, which is the dumbest fucking thing in the world, because he made a he made posting to social media a fucking they they made posting to social media a verb. And yeah. he's taking the verb of the company that he spent what, four hundred and twenty like forty two billion, four hundred and twenty billion? Yeah. Something crazy stupid. Um he spent a stupid amount of money on and he's getting rid of probably the two things that are the highest value yeah. part parts which, of it. Which he didn't want to buy, by the way. He went to back yeah, out no. after the deal was made, and they were like, no, legally you have to follow through. <laughs> yes, because he's a fucking idiot and terrible at business. Uh, Anywho, that's beside the point. Aliens. So, 
um, I made a post about the recent uh, UFO, like, what was it, information hearing? I, yeah. I don't know, the fact-finding. I, I don't know what the fuck they call it. Um, I forget. It's whatever. It, it was uh, uh, Gershk, right? I think is the yeah. guy's name. Yeah. That's close so, enough. They don't... They... <laughs> so, um, there's... UFO Twitter has been losing their fucking mind <laughs> about this. Yeah. Right? So, the thing is, uh, David Grush is his name. I, I, I have my, t- my, my thread open now because I wanted to make sure that I knew what I was saying. Yeah. Um, so, in, a, in this, like, congressional hearing, that's the word I was looking for. Cool. I got it. Um, so in this congressional hearing, uh, 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 I think, so Mace, Miss Mace asks Mr. Grush, um, if the United States is basically in possession of, like, bodies that are non-human, right? Uh Uh-huh. And I want to say, Grush... Is an ex he's an intelligence he's from the intelligence community yeah right like he knows how to fucking talk around things yeah right because he uses the term non-human biologics when he describes yeah. the bot the quote unquote bodies which by the and- way also describes the dead bird I drove past on the way here yes that's the problem literally any clump of biological cells. Is a non if it's not human, it's a non-human bi- biologic. Yeah. Full stop. Right. You could hit a bird, and that could be a non-human. It could be a piece of shit from a dog. It could. Be. And it would be a non-human biologic. It could be bacteria. So like, fucking ridiculous. Right. Yeah. And also, he constantly is talking about having to go into a skiff, which is a secure information. Uh, something else. I forget what the F stands for. Um, ba- basically, it's where you talk about uh, classified documents, right? Yeah, and it's, it's he just goes into like fucking Exostar forum pass or something. It, it's literally yeah. just a website that has like security licenses. Like it, it's nothing crazy. It's not special. It's yeah. nothing like crazy special. It's just it's just so data doesn't breach. Basically, right? I was literally um, on one Friday. Yeah, for boring um, shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them are just boring shit. All of them are boring shit. (laughs) So, um, the thing is, right, he's talking about, like, one of the things he talks about is, like, not being able to talk about whether or not they have fucking photos. Yeah. Right? And videos. He's like, uh, I can't talk about that. I need to talk about that in a skiff. Dude, you are fucking telling the world that aliens exist in the U.S. government. U.S. government has a fucking program that has actual alien crafts that they're currently reverse engineering uh, technology from. I think you have crossed the, like, threshold of things that are illegal to talk about. Yeah. Right? Like, if you're talking about photographs at this point, like, dude, you have opened Pandora's box so far and so wide at this point that, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you, why are you even talking about this? Yeah, there's a right. lot of really weird specific rules about what counts and doesn't count as classified information 
mm-hmm. in specific context based on what the thing itself is. Yeah. But uh, 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 there's, uh, as far as I know, you, you can just be like, there, we have pictures of shit, but you just mm-hmm. can't, see, but I can't show you. That's a thing that I, I'm pretty sure he could have been like, there's oh, that's, pictures that's of things, totally but within. I just can't show you. He could have just I said can't, that. I can't show them. I can't describe what the contents are, but yeah. there are pictures that may qualify as what you're, there, there are pictures that qualify as what you're describing, but I can't describe any details. Yeah, that's a very reasonable is, thing that. Which would have been a totally valid say. thing to yeah. say, right? Because like. The fact of the matter is, he's already implying that these things exist. He's implying that we have alien crafts, yeah. right? Obviously, if we have alien crafts, we're going to have fucking pictures and videos of them. Like, does he not? Like, that's how the U.S. government works. If they own something, they've got a fucking picture of it. Yeah. Right? Like, a- a- anywho. But, like, the, the thing that really kills me is if this was all true, right? And, like, it would be cool if it was all true, right? Yeah. Because, like, if there, was, if there were fucking UFO crafts and, like, we had advanced alien technology, that would be cool, right? Yeah. Um, but the problem is if we had all that and anything that, that he was saying was, like, actually meaningfully true... That man would have never seen the light of day. Yeah, he would have been like, like, look at what happened to Chelsea Manning, right? Yeah. And like, let's be real, most of the stuff that Chelsea Manning like uh, whistle blew on is stuff that we kind of knew was already happening. We just yeah. didn't have evidence of, right? Like, like it's not like a world shattering ontolo- ontological like n- shift. Nothing meaningful came out of that, and something. Mm-hmm. So this comes up at, at, at work when we were trying to um, do training with operators on, like, the importance of, um, like, FOD control for an object debris and um, mm-hmm. just, like, keeping things relatively clean. And uh, I posted this in the Discord, but it's one of my favorite stories in that there is a failure on an aircraft. And after they mm-hmm. did an investigation, they found out that an operator had an orange for lunch with his usual lunch. And he got, yeah. he got the orange juice, just juices and oils and shit on his hands from the orange. Uh-huh. And that the citric acid and the, you know, just the shit from the orange. He went to work on a thing. It prevented mm-hmm. the, 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 the corrosion resistant coating that you put on things from, from going to the spots that he touched. And that, uh-huh. and that caused the failure. So that's an example of a non-human biologic entity causing a failure on an aircraft. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it, if you're, s- yeah. If you're so vague to lose meaning, like it, it's it, it means nothing. Yeah. It literally means nothing. Like like when you have when you're that vague, it means fucking nothing whatsoever. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? Like there's no there's literally no value oh, yeah. to be had in what that person's saying. So so I don't know. People people on, on uh UFO Twitter are losing their minds because they're like, Oh, it's proof that aliens exist. No, no, it's he's literally saying the same shit that they've always been saying, but like fucking stupid. Fuck it, it's yeah. dumb. I'm I'm mad because it's so <laughs> dumb. It's like the gla- it's like the movie Glass Onion where the where uh what's his name, the main like detective towards the end is like it's just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. That's that's where I'm at. It is like it's just stupid. It and everyone's is. like, oh, it's so clever. No. 
No. No, it's not. It's really not. It's really dumb. Oh, God. It's really fucking stupid. Um, but anywho, we should probably get going. Yeah, let's on, dive yeah. into it. So welcome to Cryptopedia, an exploration of the myths and legends that haunt the human mind, where each week we'll take you on a journey exploring the mysteries of the world, tackling the tales of monsters, folklore, the paranormal, and that thing that definitely lives under your bed. I'm Brandon. I'm John. And uh, today I'm going to take a stab at a new type of topic for me. You kind of you, you went this general direction with uh, the Dybbuk box. Um, I forget <laughs> which episode that was, um, but it's, uh, sometime was it last year? Oh my god, it was. I think it was last year. Yeah. What the was, fuck? Uh, it Wait, was episode one hundred and eight. If anyone's curious. Holy shit! That was last year. Yeah, that was what a year is, ago. What is time? Uh, I hate. There's uh there's absolutely nothing paranormal or supernatural about this this uh, object. Well. It- uh, I, I looked ahead a little bit. Yeah. I would say that it it's not paranormal itself, but it implies paranormal and supernatural, like, the existence of supernatural topics. Yes, yes, it If does. it exists, it implies evidence, t- it's evidentiary towards supernatural topics. It is, it is. Um... And rather, it, it's an interesting artifact with an interesting story, and it'll touch on a lot of recurring themes that pop up in our, our normal episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. So today we're talking about the Newark Holy Stones. And so fucking dumb. Before, uh, before I dive straight into it, this one's, there's going to be no spooky creature or silly guys. and It's, it's pre-Civil War America, so this is like exclusively uh, like going to be about... Uh, religious themes, uh, but don't worry. Themes, there's a fuck ton of racism. Themes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so much. I don't. I don't know a lot about this story, but I know who is the the group that's behind it. And oh boy, let's just say, uh, until the civil rights movement, this group was outright a white supremacist religion. Oh and yes, that's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. Um, so what they are, the, the stones were found by David Wirick in 1860 near a cluster of Native American burial groundworks uh, near Newark, Ohio, known as the Newark Earthworks. Uh, the stones themselves are a key... Can, s- yeah? Can we just take a moment to say how fucked up it is, how much, like, digging up of indigenous American burial sites, like, has happened? Oh, yeah. Right? Like, like it would be one thing if, like, uh, the groups themselves were running these these digs and, like, using it to repiece, like, lost pieces of their history, right? Yeah. Um, because, quite frankly, there are lost pieces of their history well, thanks to... The native groups themselves don't even have control or access to the land. It's owned yeah, by, that's... like, the state, and, it, like, yeah. they're allowed to go in sometimes. <laughs> that's the problem, right? Yeah. Like... Like, that's the fucked up part, right? Yeah. Like, you know, in in Europe, we, we like, investigate burial sites all the time that have been yeah. done, right? Which is fine, because a lot of those people are their, like, descendants, right? Yeah. Like, let's be real. Um, in, in fucking 
the Americas, the people doing the investigating are the reasons why we don't remember. We don't know that information oh, yeah. anymore. For, for, so like for it won't even limit it to, to these, but I'm going to keep my conversation on these because that's the scope. Is that mm-hmm. like maybe instead of like the government controlling them, give the people access to them and then the government can give them the resources that they would need to do the things themselves the way whoa, they want. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That, wait a second. That'd Brandon. be that'd be kind of cooler. But there are there are treaties from the 1800s that we have to uphold. Oh, oh, oh I forgot about that. Oh, yes, yeah, cool. Fucking so goddamn dumb. <laughs> uh, so the the stones themselves are a keystone, a stone bowl, and a decalogue, which is the Ten Commandments, inside of a, a stone box. Sure, I believe that that's all true. There's there there those are so that part's true. Though, yeah, no, physical, no, I know that their existence is true, but I believe that that's all. Like what I'm saying is, I believe all of they're, those things are tangible objects came from there. the The first of the stones to be found was the keystone in June of 1860, and it was inscribed in Hebrew on each side. Uh, it, oh boy! I hope you already. I hope you figured out who the 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 villain of this story is. <laughs> Holy of Holies, King of the Earth, and the Law of God. And the word of God. Wirk yep. was digging. Also, th- not quite a villain. We'll see. It's it's villain, villain, but had like a, a childlike good intention. I'm going to say that there is villainry here, just because of the fact they they have they have disturbed a burial site. That part's and that then- part is villainous. They've disturbed a variable site and have also if they just left falsely it behind attributed a <laughs> history. What? So if they just left it behind a bar, maybe fine. Probably don't dig that, up the site. If if they had found it behind a barn, if they had like Joseph Smith this. Yeah. Oh, he's gonna come up later. No, I know. I'm. I was very, very, very fucking deliberate in my use of Joseph Smith. Um, <laughs> like that would be somehow that would be less offensive than what is about to happen. <laughs> So, Wirk was digging with his 12-year-old son when he found this. This excerpt from Ohio State University describes it best. Inscribed in Hebrew letters, the stone shown above is popularly known as the keystone because of its general shape. However, okay, it is t- so it's, for, for reference for people out there, it's referring to the keystone on top of a stone gate, which is like yeah. triangular, which sits at the top of the gate, and that's the thing that actually prevents it from falling it allows the archy type shape kind of yeah it allows the arch to exist so that's just for reference for people out there who are trying to envision this that's what a keystone is yes um inscribed in hebrew letters the stone shown above is popularly known as the keystone because of its general shape however it is too rounded to have actually served as a keystone it was apparently intended to be held with the knob in the right hand and turned uh to read the four sides in succession perhaps repetitively it might also have been suspended by the knob for some purpose although it it is not pointed enough to have been a plumb bob which is used in land surveying Mm -hmm. um and it could have been served as a pendulum the material is okay yeah the material of the keystone has been identified by geologist charles uh immediately after its discovery as novaculite a very hard fine-grained siliceous rock um, used for whetstones, and the photographs show its natural color. Um, yeah. So, so basically, basically, uh, siliceous rock is sil- rocks with silicone in them. They're they're kind of like they're they're rough to the touch. Yeah. Which makes them good for for sharpening uh, instruments. Sharpening things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
there's a Hebrew translation of the uh, English uh, for mm-hmm. Holy Follies and King of Earth, which I'm not going to say because mm-hmm. I know I'm going to say it wrong, but it's it's there. Um, Kadosh, Kodeshim, Melech, Eretz, Ezretz, Eretz, Tarath, Yahweh, Devor, Yahweh. Yep. Uh, Weirik found the keystone within what is now a developed section of Newark at the bottom of a pit adjacent <laughs> to the extensive ancient Hopewellian earthworks there. Uh, I, I do want to yeah. say I know that it's not Newark, New Jersey, but Newark, I Ohio. I have the same problem every time I and see that. Every time I see Newark, I'm just imagining like it being under the airport or like <laughs> behind a Wawa. Yeah, just just somewhere yeah. fucking stupid in Newark. That's all I can like. I can't get it out of my head. And it's yeah. really funny to me. Although the pit was surely ancient. The stone was covered with 12 to 14 inches of earth. It is impossible to say when it fell into the stone pit. And um, mm. there, there's a map of Weirik's uh, earthworks, uh, the Newark earthworks below. Um, mm. It therefore is not inconceivable that the keystone is genuine, but somehow modern. The letters on the keystone are nearly standard Hebrew, rather than the very peculiar alph- alphabet of the Decalogue stone, these letters were already developed at the time of the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is 2 to 100 BC, and so are broadly consistent um, with any time from the Hopewellian area to the present. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the description covers the Hebrew characters, which we'll get into later. Other things I've read about the Keystone is that it is Masonic, as in stonemasons in nature, referring to the Freemasons, mm-hmm. uh, and that its shape is to supposedly meant to represent the spear that pierced um jesus yeah is that what it's supposed to represent that that it is i think that's meaning that's been attributed to it later um while the keystone was met with middling regard by his peers by coincidence six months later the decalogue stone was found and had an answer to all of their very specific criticisms Mm, wasn't wasn't like i feel like i vaguely remember there being a criticism about like the 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 type of Hebrew used was anachronistic, but I it's been a while since I read this. Oh, this. we we get it, we get into it. We okay, into okay. It. Uh, in November of 1860, David Work found an inscribed stone in a burial mound ten miles south of Newark. The stone mm-hmm. is inscribed on all sides with a condensed version of the Ten Commandments or Decalogue. In a mm-hmm. peculiar form of post-exilic square Hebrew letters, the robed okay. and bearded figure on the front identified as Moses in letters fanning over his head. The inscription is carved into a fine-grained black stone that only appears to be brown in the accompanying overexposed photos. It has been identified by geologist Ken Bork and David Hawkins of Denison uh, University as limestone. A fossil uh, crinoid stem is visible on the surface, and the stone reacts strongly to HCl. So hydrochloric acid. Yes. Um, um, also, for those of you who don't know, post-exilic is referring to uh, the Jewish exile from Babylon to yes. 1 AD. Um, just, just to like kind of... So basically that's... A period of about 500 years-ish. Yeah, uh, contextualizing. From, so the, yeah. the And this is important later on. The, the way in which their alphabet transformed over time is a way of finding when something might have been created mm-hmm. based on yeah, which I characters mean, are shown on it. Yeah, it's basically like uh, like X appearing in the English, like the, 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 the English alphabet. Yeah. Right? 
Like you can you can look you can tell how old something is because it, if it has a letter, you know that it's not younger than this point. Yes, it, you know that it's not older than this point. Rather, it's it has to be younger than the point that this thing was created. Yeah, yeah, and the way certain characters are written as well. I th- I might touch mm-hmm. on that later. I don't recall. Well, like like the 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 way that uh, I think S- F's were written. Yeah, in in English because they were written like kind of like S's for ah, a while. Yes, F and S depending on mm-hmm. on yes 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 yes. Mm-hmm. That's 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 yeah. that's a very like clear and not like if you read anything from colonial era it's kind of weird to read because there's a lot of f's all there's a lot of s's all over the place yeah where yeah and it's it's an f or an or s F's all over the place i think it's yeah. it's an s pronounces an f but it depends on in where the word falls in the sentence and where the character is written within the word defines what mm-hmm. it is like it's a really weird um thing um, so it's definitely not black alabaster or gypsum as previously reported here, according to James oh, L. Murphy. Sorry, I got it yep. mixed up. It looked like an it looks like an F, but it's supposed to be an S. Yes, I got it mixed up. Yeah, uh, James L. Murphy of Ohio State University said large right crinoid stems are common in the upper Mercer of the Boggs limestone uh, units in Muskingum uh, Co., which is at Colorado. And elsewhere, these limestones yeah. are very often uh, dark gray to black in color. The inscribed stone is found inside of a sandstone box, smooth on the outside and hollowed out within to exactly hold the stone. Um, the deck log inscription begins at the non-alphabetic symbol on top of the front, runs down the left side of the front, around every available space on the back and sides. And then up the back right side, it goes all around. I'm just describing the way it it goes all around, and it's been yeah, uh, yeah. as if it's going to be read repetitively. Um, yeah. The artifact was found within a mound uh, rather than in an area where it could have fallen. Wirk was also digging with a number of helpers on this one. Some really helpful helpers, I say in quotes, as uh, was it Dr. Ken Fader uh, uh, described them. I'll get to him later. But he's like really helpful. Helpers. He called them really helpful helpers. Um, oh, I didn't. I didn't realize that uh, uh, Mr. Rogers was there. Yes, uh, as there were accounts that may ha- they may have in fact been guiding him to the correct area to dig. Um, ah, ah, hmm. yes. Interesting. It was that's, that's curious. Yes. Very curious. It was worth noting that Wirk started his excavation seeking to find proof of the Lost Tribes theory during the, this time. Which, huh? which I want to note, the Lost Tribes theory uh, is not a theory that has been proposed by academics. No. In the slightest. Uh, ever. This was not a thing that was proposed from acad- academia. This is from something else that I'm sure you'll talk about and I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to take away the... <laughs> yeah. So during this time period, there was a belief that the uh, uh, Native Americans were one of the lost tribes of Israel and came to the Americas across the Bering Strait. I'm pretty sure that people still believe this. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like 90% sure that this is yeah. still like a thing. It comes up. I think the first time I heard about it was on like History Channel or something that like a while ago it's still unfortunately a thing um so the, the modern significance the modern significance to the newer holy stones largely comes from the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints the mormons um hmm. joseph smith indicated curious curious 
indicated that the Book of Mormon lands are in America's heartland. Meldrum, uh, president of the Firm Foundation and lecturer on the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon, <laughs> believes that the Hopewell Indian Mound Builders are ancestors of the Book of Mormon peoples. Uh, That's fucking so bad. Okay. <laughs> Um, I think, I think if my memory is correct, uh, the, in the Book of Mormon, it says something to the effect of, like, uh, the Garden of Eden was in Jackson County, Missouri, or something like oh, that. Oh, that sounds familiar. Right? Like, so, so, I, I will also say there is some, like, half-truths and stuff like that in regards to, like, what the Mormons believe, and I'm not gonna yeah. say a bunch of stuff. Because I don't want to, like, I haven't, like, I haven't explicitly done the research to make sure any of the claims that I, I could make are accurate or yeah. if they were, like, smear campaigns. Because I will say the Mormons have historically been targeted um, by evangelical groups. But also, it's one of those things where, like, it's, they, there's a lot of shitty stuff that's happened. But yeah. it's not entirely all like out of nowhere. It's yeah, a lot of yeah. half truths, but it's 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 not from nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for skeptics, one of the biggest problems for the Book of Mormon is that no Hebrew or Egyptian writings have been found in the Americas. In Meldrum's most recent newsletter, an update from the same information from 2012, Meldrum loudly trumpets a claim that indeed Hebrew writings have been confirmed. He references a History Channel program called America Unearthed. So I will say, if you're referencing a History Channel program that aired any time after the 90s, you're fucking up. Oh yeah, this was 2013. Uh, when, yeah. when American Earth uh, aired. The episode references the newer Coley Stones held in Johnson Humerkaus Museum in Ohio. The Native American culture is pulled greatly into Mormonism and is also uh, also the Lost Tribe theory. Uh, so I do want to, I want to take a second to m mention that uh, Mormons have been pivoting to call themselves uh, the Church of Latter-day Saints or like Latter-day Saints or yeah. Church of Christ, right? Things along those lines. Yeah. And I want to say the reason for that is because it's to basically rebrand. Yeah. Um. So I'm not going to go into much more depth about that, but like, if you are interested in looking into it, there's a lot. There's that can information be said. out there. Yeah. There's stuff. Just just look like be cautious and make sure you check your sources and make sure they're yeah. not like. The one thing I will say is make sure that they're not evangelical groups because evangelical groups have it out for pretty much anyone who's non their dom denomination. Yeah. So just just keep that in mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, Joseph Smith stated that in 1823, a Native oh. American angel visited him and told him about a record that contained an ancient history of Native Americans. Smith Which said is that uh, the angel Moroni, Mor Moroni, I think. I think so. Yeah. Smith said he Maroney, translated Maroney. the records from Golden Plates uh, in the Book of Mormon. The existence of the Red Sons of Israel uh, was used as evidence of authenticity of their account. Cool. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, adherents cool. Saw, saw Native cool, Americans. Cool, cool, cool and good. That's, that's, that's right. I will say this. Um, oh, and it's Moroni. Sorry, I yeah. mispronounced it. Um, I mispronounced the fictional angel that uh, Joseph Smith came up with. Um, 
Uh, so, so like, this is about to get really bad. Just to, yeah. like, it is. just so to, th- to th- this, like, this portion is why everyone. I gave the little disclosure up top. Like, hey, we're, we're yeah. diving into. Yeah, this, this is, this is where things get really bad. <laughs> if, if Red Sons of Israel wasn't a good indicator of how bad this is about to get, don't worry. Our goal Don't places. worry. It's going places and it's nothing good. So adherents saw Native Americans as part of God's chosen people, and they believed that preaching to them was part of the gathering of Israel, which will precede the millennium. The church oh, wow, is- that's nice. That sure is nice, calling them the part uh, of God's chosen people. Yeah. That seems that seems good and positive and like, oh, cool, you guys are all like great and yada, 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 right? Yeah, surely. it's I'm very surely strong. Surely that's like, what that means. They had their own thing going on. Let them, you don't need to bring them into your stuff. Just let them keep let people leave leave people alone that's that's my stance the church's long history with native americans is tied to their beliefs about the book of mormon according to sociologist marcy goodman historically latter-day saints held paternalistic beliefs about the native americans needing help however now yeah to translate that for people that basically means white man's burden yeah um like that's the same that's yeah. the same line of thinking just as like to make sure everyone's aware um paternalistic beliefs means that you don't believe that somebody can actually take care of themselves yeah yeah um which is imp- wild given that they've like you show up and they're already here and you're like oh you look like and you need thriving. help and it's like no bro we're, we were thriving mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um However, this diverged from their actions towards the uh, Native Americans. During the 1850 Battle of Fort Utah, Brigham Young ordered his desert territorial militia to go and kill the Timpanago people of Utah Valley, further stating that we have no peace until men are killed off. Never treat the Indians as your equal. He- so I will, I will say, um, never once do they ever refer to Native Americans as their equal. Uh the act of having a paternalistic belief system towards a group of people at its very core means they're inferior implies you're not equal. Yes. Right. Like that's the key. Cause like it's assigning like familial hierarchies to your relationships with other people. Um, traditional familial hierarchies, I should say. Um, that's usually a sign that you don't actually like respect someone. Also like, we have no peace until the chosen people are killed off. Is a wild way to treat your chosen people. Yeah, even if interesting that, thought. Yeah. <coughs> wild. Um, he mm-hmm. clarified that the militia should let the women and children live if they behave themselves. So what is that like? What does behave themselves? Even I don't mean? know, and I imagine that means a lot of women and children are killed because if like everyone you know is being murdered, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be like. Uh, no. You wouldn't behave. If you behave, then no. that, that, that's wild. Following this order was the bloodiest week of Indian killing in Utah history. Cool. And that's in quotes. Um, by the end of the wintertime, the conflict over <laughs> over 100 Timpanago uh, Utes were killed by Young's forces, and 50 of their bodies were beheaded and their heads put on display for several weeks in Fort Utah as a warning to the 26 surviving Native American women and children prisoners from the conflict held there. Cool. The prisoners were then distributed to LDS families to be used as slaves. Cool, 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 cool. The uh, the nice. Church of Latter nice Day Saints has since eased their stance that 
dark skin is a curse of sin versus white skin is delightsome, as written mm-hmm. in the Book of Mormon. Um, uh, I should also note, uh, so, which few things. Also, very recently. Very recently. That was a very recent change. Yes. It, uh, yeah. So, um, so the thing is, right, yes. um, in the, in Mormonism, for a very long time, um, some would say up until, all, until like, 1978, perhaps? Yeah, so, so, uh, skin color was, was basically affiliated with, like, your godliness uh, like adjacent to it, your descent, your, the 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 color of your skin was directly associated with the amount of sin in which your body had, which would is is wild. So that's any non-white person is born with sin. That uh, there's that, and that also brings in class as well, right? So so people mm-hmm. who would if you had to work outside for a living, then as opposed to someone who is like rich and just stayed inside all the time, then then rich upper class people inherently had less sin on them. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, like so yeah. but yeah, I mean that's that's kind of like the thing always. Like, like really at the end of the day, it's a question of uh it is a question of class. It yeah, right? it, it's both race and class. Yeah. Right. So it's 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 a lot. It right? is um Oh God! This Reddit post about this. Oh no! <laughs> I'm sitting in a room. Uh, oh, it's it's it, it's gone. It's gone. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's been deleted because uh, whatever. Anywho, um, man, R slash Mormon is a wild place. <laughs> it's I've never been. I imagine it's a wild subreddit. It's a wild place. So, a passage in the Book of Abraham. Um, yeah? But I also want to note oh. that, uh, so this extends beyond uh, Native Americans. Um, yes. Black skin was associated with the Mark of Cain, I want to uh-huh. point out. Um, and uh, in the Mormon church, until about the time that the, the you know, the easing of the stance happened, um, Black men, like black children, black men yeah. could not become uh, priests in uh, Mormonism. Yeah. But I want to clarify that's not that's not like priests in the sense that everyone probably is thinking who is not a Mormon, um, because priesthood in Mormonism is a lot different than priesthood in Catholicism and in evangelical Christianity. Yeah. Um, there is an implicit. Every every man who comes of age in the Mormon Church, if my memory is correct, um, I, I recently watched a Saber Start video on this, so that's why. Oh, okay. It's, it's wild. I was like, John's really pulling this out. At like, I was like, how did you just know this? I literally just watched. Well, I've also there's so there's two things that have been happening. One, I watched a Saber Start video about um, a piece of Christian propaganda about the Mormon Church, which has some things right, but also, like, grossly over-represents things and all that sorts of stuff to make them look scarier and blah, 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 blah. Um, But also, I've been watching a a YouTube channel called Fundy Fridays, which is really good. Yeah. Um, They talk mostly about IBLP stuff, which is uh, the stuff that the the Duggars are related to, Um, which is 
a terrible organization. Um, I will. I, I I do recognize that this episode we're taking a lot of stances against a lot of religions. Yeah. Um, but given the I specific mean, context of what's going on, like it's yeah. it's it's, I'm sure people see what's going on. Anywho, but the priesthood in Mormonism, right? Yeah. Um, there is an implicit like when you become an adult as a Mormon male, there is this implicit like you are now a, you are now in the priesthood, right? So, yeah. um, it kind of like it reduced the ability of people of color to actually like advance in the religion and even like exist in the religion period for a long time. Oh yeah. Right. Up until almost the eighties, which is by the when they eased it, they've, there was resistance in a slow, it wasn't like an immediate transition. And if you're like, wow, that's wild for like almost the eighties, uh, women couldn't open a bank account until like 1972 or 1974 or something yeah. unless they were married. So like, there's a lot of wild shit where you're like, that's that's fucking recent. Like, you, like if you're a woman, yeah. you couldn't open a bank account unless you were married until almost the 80s. Yeah, yeah, it's I, that's so wild to me. Like once you start putting dates to like people it's... being able to do things, you're like, fuck. Man, things are sure. Remember the good old days. Oh God! Good old see. Good old days is. Oh God, not good days. It's it's really it's really bad, right? Oh. So a passage in the Book of Abraham. uh, We tend to allude to the misappropriation or abuse of native peoples. Oh, oh, sorry. I was uh, quoting that white skin delightsome thing was from the book of abraham um so yeah, we tend yeah. to to allude the misappropriation or abuse of uh native peoples in our podcast but since this one is close to home and very recent i'd like to share an excerpt from a 2021 article regarding uh the serpent mound another uh native american burial site in ohio uh, let me correct this word real quick uh uh so at the time, in case people are wondering why I'm making on-the-fly edits, I used the word first peoples in this a few times without knowing where that came from, and that's that's a bad Canadian thing. So I'm just going ahead yeah. and correcting that. It's uh what'd you say? It's it was to re- like basically take away their rights to It was like... to to Oh god, what was it? It was in order to to receive certain rights from the government. I believe you had to call yourself, say, I am no longer Native American, or sorry, Native to a Native Canadian from whichever uh, tribe you come from, and say, I am now a member of the First Peoples, which means you'll gain some of this, but you also lose the right to your land and a lot of this others. It's a weird, fucked up Canadian thing, which I encourage people Mm -hmm. to go look uh, into for better information than I could give off the fly. It's very complicated. Yeah. Um, Um. I should say, yes, uh, Mormon males typically enter the first order, the Aaronic priesthood at age 12 as deacons. So when when they're yeah. referring to when they're referring to priesthood, it includes stuff like deacons, which usually are not what people consider priests. 12 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so it, I just I did want to like, like clarify that that yeah. is like, like becoming entering the priesthood is like central to male mormons yeah right like it's it's a part of being a like full-fledged member of the community yeah um uh well different from the above situation shows 
another recent way in which native culture is being interacted with by settlers um built by ancient and yes it's 2021 i'm calling the anyone who interacts with these people they're all settlers that's that's the word i could have used because that's what they are um built yeah. by ancient indigenous peoples the serpent mound the world's largest effigy mound is considered a sacred site by tribes such as the shawnee eastern shawnee miami and delaware who once called ohio their homes this fact is affirmed by mainstream archaeology and the ohio a history connection, the organization that owns the site, um, gets lost in the swirl of conspiracy theories, uh, sorry, conspiracy theorists who use the mound in support of their own different beliefs. On December 20th... What? What? There's a big thing? Oh, we're going to have a conspiracy theory if this big thing now supports our thing. Um, mm -hmm. On December of 2021, a group of Christians organized by uh, Dave Dubemeyer, a leader of the Past Salt Ministries, uh, planned to hold a prayer ceremony intended to cast out demons from Serpent Mound and place anointed stones on or near the site. Dub uh, what? Yeah, yeah. He's got to cast the demons out of the, uh, the, the giant, cool burial mound. Um, Dubenmeyer claims that the Serpent Mound and other earthworks in the region were built by Nephilim, giant filling angels who are mentioned in the Bible's book of Genesis. Um, so it's like, this couldn't possibly be uh, from, you know, native people. It's giant angels. Uh, native American ancestors. Cool. Could, so, so what yeah. you're telling me is they're just like, they have one star past assault ministries on, on, uh, on Facebook, by the way. Oh, God. Um, um, they they claim that Native American ancestors could not have created these works since they had no knowledge of high math, according to Dubenmeyer. Therefore, the yeah. sites are direct conduits to the devil and should be exposed and disarmed. Wait, what? There's there's some contradiction in there. Were they built by angels? Are they conduits well, of well, the devil? Well, if they're fallen angels, they are. Nephilim oh, you're are right, you're fallen right, you're angels. Right, sorry. So that 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 does track. It's yeah. just like, what the fuck? It's what the fuck is happening? And the timing of Dubenmeyer's prayer to action the day before the winter solstice was important. This is a high holiday for the demonic world, he said on his Facebook broadcast. The what? The head of Serpent Mound is directly aligned with the sun during the summer solstice, and its coils are also aligned with the summer and winter solstices and equinox sunrises. Clearly, the mound is associated with celestial events, so it is often open during these times so that people may visit, according to park managers at the Ark of Appalachia. So, so why, why is it impossible that, like, like, you don't need math to do that. You just, like, kind of... You kind of like, oh, hey, it's the winter solstice. Let's uh, let's point the the like these logs in that direction, and then we'll build throughout the rest of the year. There's massive amounts of like works built by people all over the world that predate all of us that align or, or with solstices and celestial events, and like when shadows yeah. look cool, and like it's all over the world because people do that. Yeah, that's what they do. They see something, oh, this is cool. I'm going to make something that makes it look cooler. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's literally what people do. Also, also, there is a value to making things that look like clearly indicate what time of year it is because yeah. it, it has an impact on like 
farming. It has an impact on um, farming, animal migration. It, uh-huh. It's like there's a lot it, it, of really important things that tie calendars. Into that. Calendars are very important. We they take are. Them for oh, granted, we get into calendars like, later. <laughs> but calendars are like extremely important. People have a way of creating a calendar because the yeah. passage of time, even though it is a human construct, does matter. Yeah, which is also evident because like there's a lot of different calendars made by different people Mm -hmm. because it's useful it's a fucking useful thing to have yes Um, because it like it's just intrinsically valuable yeah so a group of native people including members of the miami valley council for native americans local native citizens as well as members of american indian movement of ohio traveled to the park in order to witness the event Phil Yenyo, director of the American Indian Movement. Oh, okay. Movement. I'm a so so the event that the past assault ministries was doing. Yeah, so, so they're like okay. these people are going to do something fucky. We want to go see what fucky thing they're going to do to mm-hmm. our stuff. Yeah, uh, that's fair. So Phil Yenyo, director of American Indian Movement of Ohio, confronted members of the past assault ministries as they prepared to to quote pray down the satanic serpent mans, as described in one of many videos on various social media sites by Dubenmeyer. Yenyo spoke. Of course, of course, the Native American man is the one who's wearing the, the only the guy mask. wearing the mask in like peak COVID. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yenyo spoke to, to Le- be fair, Brandon. Yeah, we we're still in peak COVID. Yes, yeah, we are. <laughs> like, let's let's not let's not pretend when, when that when it was still when they're still using the word novel in front of coronavirus is, yeah. is it, it that that's when this this is happening. Um, According to Yenyo, he told the group, you need to find somewhere else to do this. You're not going to do your ceremony on our sacred site. Our ancestors are all buried here. Fair. <laughs> I would say, mm-hmm. yeah. Once again, totally fair. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. I told them we don't violate your sacred sites or ceremonies. I let them know you need to show some respect in this place, he said. Uh, we heard about their plans on the night before their event. They were going to place stones on the head and in the coils of the serpent in order to break some sort of evil connection they believed exists between the mound and the demon world, Yinyo says. So we went down there to stop them. I approve. Um, wait, 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 sorry. You heard about, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay, so yeah. They, they heard about what was going to happen to their, to their, uh, their sacred site. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we should probably be like, hey, don't do this. This is our sacred site. Uh, their plan didn't work out too well, though, according to Yenyo. One of the men began pushing me with his chest when, as we tried to talk to them. We were really outnumbered. Pushing past Yenyo, the ministry members announced that this land will be taken in the name of Jesus. Uh, 2021. Uh, <laughs> oh, about God. 20 members of the ministry walked oh. along the pathway oh, surrounding oh, oh. the serpent. <laughs> What's that? Okay, so, so one what the fuck on that but two i was looking up um uh i was looking into dave uh uh dave Dubenmeyer. Yeah. yeah so holy shit dude's fucked up yeah. like really bad like actually much worse than yeah. i thought he was um and i'm gonna put some trigger warnings on here because uh there is there he is a he is not too far off from some child abuse, some child sexual abuse materials. Um, gotcha. So, so uh, he was a football team like coach yeah. uh, in London City School District in 1999, and um, 
he uh, he had an official team prayer and distributed evangelical literature to, during team events. Um, ACLU filed a suit. He had several opportunities to comply with the law, but simply could not. Uh, listening to the episode makes it. Oh, this is uh, this is no, from Knowledge Fight, by the way. Uh, oh, gotcha. Hey, shout um, out Knowledge Fight. It's a fun uh, one to listen to. So he um, he is uh, against pornography, um, and part of the reason is because his son is a convicted sex offender for the oh, the, God. The, the child abuse materials I was talking about before. Uh, oh, they challenged the church of the status quo by calling Christians everywhere to engage the culture by taking the fight to the enemy. <laughs> He's a real cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> real cool guy. So about... <laughs> 20 members of his ministry walked along the pathways surrounding the serpent, praying loudly, asking God to cast out the demons. Several people climbed on the mound and stepped down after being warned to remain on the pathway by park authorities. Oh, cool. So they they, they were doing damage to the mound. Yeah, they were climbing. Well, that's their goal. I'll, I'll say by placing stones on the mound that weren't part of the mound originally, you're damaging the mound. Oh, that was their goal the whole time. One man blew a shofar's horn, an instrument made from a ram's horn, traditionally used for Jewish religious purposes. Another man appeared to place a cloth square filled with rocks on the ground. Oh, fuck. A woman from the group spoke to the camera uh, in a video event published to YouTube as she points to a sign along the path surrounding the serpent that says, do not step on these sacred mounds. Uh, Here's what I say, she says, and then spits on the mound. The unidentified woman wore a shirt... Reading, truth sounds like hate. Eventually, um, part. Okay, saying the quiet part out loud. I mean, yeah. <laughs> eventually, park officials called the local sheriff to escort the members away from the site and closed the park to all visitors. Uh, History yeah, Channel. That's, that's what would have to happen. Yeah. So th- th- again, 2021. This shit's still going on. Uh, the History Channel's Ancient Alien series featured Serpent Mound in 2011, oh, offering alleged evidence that the mound was once a landing area for aliens who mined the site for iridium, a rare earth element, to fuel their spaceships. Uh, local. I, I... <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so th- this is all just to point out that there wasn't just wild shit back in 1800s. This there's still wild shit around the these thing, burial sites oh, i hate ancient aliens because it's so like it's so like denigrating to human history and humanity yeah like i i don't think people realize how like reductive ancient it is aliens it's a is. it's eroding it, history. it erodes <clears throat> but it's it also erodes, more importantly it's eroding history of like particularly people of color cultures all over you know like it's reducing and erasing what 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 is a really cool history to learn about and replacing it with shit that's just not anything about it see the thing is i think people can't like grasp the fact that like us now like compared to humans like three thousand years ago geographically speaking not that fucking long Oh yeah, we have pretty much the same brain capacity, right? Yeah, and the same capabilities. The only thing that we have right now is we have two, three thousand years where a bunch of smart, a bunch of people were smart, wrote stuff down, and passed it along. Yeah, that's literally the only difference between us and a human from 
3,000 years ago. Right? Yeah. So, like, what the fuck, people? Yeah. Uh, local but then or- again, a lot of yeah. the people who, a lot of the people who are into ancient aliens are already kind of, like, a lot of people are into, like, some racial stuff, too. So the idea of, like, one human being better than another human is already kind of coded into, like, like their belief system. Yeah. So, I guess, whatever. Uh, local owner of the uh, Pa Cops Museum, Tom Johnson, was presented in the show uh, as an expert on both the Serpent Mound and local Native people. In his interview, he said Shawnee are convinced that space travelers use are using Serpent Mound as a marker. Huh. So for that, I would say maybe ask a Shawnee. Um, yeah. Why did Why did you Why did you talk to uh, Tom Johnson? Yeah. don't ask tom johnson go ask the people he's talking about who are still there how Uh, about how about you go ask um uh 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 yeno from earlier yeah go yeah go ask him go talk to him he's close he's he's walking distance um glenna wallace chief of the (laughs) I, I, i like to imagine that they that he was just like nearby and they walk up to they walk up to the uh to Tom and they're like, "Hey, hey, we want to know about this." And he's just like, like the girlfriend from that one meme who's like looking at the dude, yeah, who's looking back. I know what you're talking. <laughs> like they go as Tom. Like they're like Tom. We need an expert on on, on uh, native uh, culture in the area. And Yenio's right there, just like, "What the fuck, dude?" Yeah, uh, Glenna Wallace, chief of Eastern Shawnee, now located in Oklahoma told Indian uh, Country Today in an earlier interview that this statement is not true. Yeah, uh, clearly. Uh, no, <laughs> no shit. <clears throat> Missing from such reports, however, is the lack of public education about indigenous history of the mound and the tribal struggle to ensure the site is treated respectfully. For I mean, years, Serpent of, Mound has been lack. a mecca for New Agers and others who have flocked to the site Uh, A place about 60 miles east of Cincinnati to celebrate, hold ceremonies and conferences, and even bury items in the mound. Uh, I will say there's a super interesting... um, uh, I've been watching a lot of BreadTube, which is like lefty YouTube. Yeah. Right? Um, And there's one guy who I was watching, uh, I forget his name. But he had a he had a special... He like did an episode talking about uh, New Age movements and like... yeah. It's very new age is very interesting. It's very complicated and like um it's interesting. It's very interesting, yeah. but it like it's also very like fraught, I will say. Very much so. Yeah. It it it's it very quickly stems from like crystals and energy and then we like go 1 degree to like towards another direction it goes very fast to like oh shit there's a lot there's there he he does a much better like uh i'll I'll look up i'll try to figure out who the person was but he does a really good job uh like digging into like the history of the new age movement and like talking about it like it's one of those things where i don't really super remember what i was talking about because i was i was so focused on the talking about like we we've gotten so far away from the keystones too. We have this circles back around. <clears throat> yeah. This middle chunk was just to is just to highlight like the problems of then are still the problems of now. Mm. Um and then we we go right back into it. 
Um, although the mound is a National Historic Landmark and is under consideration by the United States Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization as a World Heritage Site, officials in Ohio mostly turned a blind eye to these activities in years past. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, however, tri- leaders of the tribes were forcibly removed from Ohio to Oklahoma in the 1830s after passage of the Indian Removal Act, have actively Sweet. reached out to Ohio officials insisting they put a stop to the proliferation of these unusual ceremonies and activities that they say disrespect the mound in the past two years of both Ohio, uh, Ohio Connection and the Ark of Appalachia, the organization that manages the day-to-day operations of the mound, have engaged in more discussions with tribal leaders, which is also important to note, like, even though people, like, like, Native Americans from other areas are chiming in on this doesn't mean it's not their thing because it was totally their thing and then we took them away from the thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's almost as though like things are so ridiculously fucked. Yeah, that like, oh god. Yeah, uh, but as a there is some light uh, in the tunnel. Um, in that Jen Altman, director of historic sites and museums at the Ohio History Connection, um, said that we have a really strong commitment to working with our tribal partners. That includes offering a public uh, better understanding of the history and significance of the sites like Serpent Mound to Native Americans. So that seems like they're going to try to focus on more public education about the sites, mm-hmm. um, which is good. Um, yeah, I mean, let's let's hope. Right, like, let's, let's hope, hope that it actually goes well, because, like, let's be real, it it hasn't, it hasn't, a lot of, a lot of times there's, like, stuff that looks like, oh, things are getting better, and then it's like, oh, no, no, it's not. <laughs> it's things are getting better, and then you realize the bridge, the floor, the, the flooring of the bridge was made from balsa wood, and yeah. you just fall through it. Um, so the historic significance, so back, back, back to the stones, um, To realize the historic significance of the stone during the time they were found requires us to understand monogenesis versus polygenesis, a topic, uh, a very hot topic at the time, um, because the writing was on the wall for the Civil War. So we're like very pre-Civil War here. It's it's around the corner. Now I remember this story. Yeah, yeah, this is a while ago. I forget when I first wrote this. I gave you some like... I'm, I'm, it's not a cryptid, yeah. but here's a thing that's interesting. Does this fall under the scope of what we'd usually talk about? Yeah, I remember this now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is starting. Now, when, when you, when you mention, uh, the Civil War, I remember now, like, part yeah. of what's going on. It's yeah. Really which weird. Is, which is what makes these really cool artifacts. Um, so the for- short version is that in polygenesis, human origins are of different geologic and linguistic origins with non-European races being inferior. And Monogenerous says that all humans share a common origin. I'll let encyclopedia.com share some context, which I have significantly abbreviated, but the full version is available in the episode copy if you need a link. Um, for um, those of you... Yeah. Before before we get into this, uh, I found a, I found the video. Uh, it's yeah. the New Age movement in the spirit of neoliberalism by uh-huh. Where in Hell. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, pretty good. It's a pretty good video. Uh, nice. I'll have to uh, to check that out. Um, for those Europeans who wanted to justify slavery and the colonial system in the 16th and 17th centuries, nothing was sacred, not even the Bible. 
Christian ideas about equality under God and brotherhood of man had to be abandoned or at least modified if slavery was going to be accommodated by uh, Christian ideology. To accomplish this, leading clerics and other intellectuals selected and distorted particular passages in the Old Testament, and they took an arithmetic approach to the Bible chronology to develop four arguments for racism, which are widely decimated by the end of the 18th century. Jesus fucking Christ. The new chronology... Did, did you see... So, kind of building off of that a little yeah. bit, have you seen the people who are talking about, like, black people who were held by slavery, and, like, a bunch of them are, like, oh, people who are never that, slaves? Yeah. That, that that's where the fuck that I hear about that bullshit. They're like, I don't, oh, like, I don't remember black, where I heard about it, but I saw there was it. some some bullshit popped up recently that like mm -hmm. like slavery was really good for black people because they wouldn't well, have received the resources. It's some bullshit that they get. Yeah, those, it's 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 always it's always something like that. Those like, fucking that, that's that's been around for so long. Fucking fucking eat my chode for those guys. Yeah. Um, the new chronology of the Bible history was created by applying the Julian calendar to the sacred events of the book of Genesis so that according to the Venerable Bede, a British cleric of the 8th century AD, the world was created in 710 by the Julian calendar or 395, 3952 BC, according to the BC AD oh. tradition, invented by Bede himself. So he this is this is where the this is where the the six thousand years things come into, come comes into play. Yeah, in sixteen fifty, mm -hmm. Bishop James Usher, another British cleric, revised Bede's date for creation to four thousand four BC, adding that it occurred on Sunday, October twenty third. He also gave the date for the end of the biblical flood as Wednesday, May the fifth, twenty three forty eight BC. Both Bede and Usher used some very questionable demographic, demographic assumptions about lifespan and the age of reproduction to do their calculations, but their opinions soon began to carry the weight of legal authority within the church. Well, they they use the like accounting of the uh, the things in Genesis, right? Yeah. Um, like like because there's a there's a there is like a lineage and like they have bullshit age lengths right like hundreds of years old which is fucking dumb yeah which oh did i send it to you <clears throat> uh bushcraft kelso sent me something from the um that uh uh the, the creationist church guy on instagram about um like like antiquarian lifespan before pre and post biblical flood where it was like abraham was like 900 years old or some shit yeah um fucking stupid they're their version of creation did not leave much time for the development of diverse languages, tribes, and races, for the peopling of the earth as described in scripture, and their date of creation was also quite close to the beginnings of secular Mediterranean history, which at that time was thought to be about 500 BCE, uh, the time of Herodotus. Worse than that, <clears throat> as far as slavery of African Americans and Native, uh, Native American Indians uh, was concerned, their theory of monogenesis, that all humans were descended from Adam and Eve, and descended again from Noah and his sons following the flood, implied that all Americans were kin to one another. Consequently, the slavery of humans by humans was enslavement, enslavement of cousins by cousins. A moral dilemma for Christians. Huh. Weird. Weird, weird. that that's your more Like, weird that you have a moral dilemma about owning people. Yeah. So, that's so strange. 
Why would you be? Why would you have a moral dilemma about owning another person? I can't yeah. understand that. Weird. But the good news is they came up with four ways to get around this. Good. Good. Good news is sarcasm, by the way. Yeah. Uh, the four solutions were proposed: that the power to excuse the practice of slavery, upon which an increasing portion of the European economy depended, in the so-called Age of Discovery. One solution was to argue that American Indians and Africans were not humans at all, as they had no souls. They just looked and acted like humans. Um, yeah. Thus, enslaving or killing them was not a mortal sin, as as you know, Christians would have been concerned. Uh-huh. Two other solutions were polygenetic in nature and alleged that although primitive, ra primitive races or savages of the earth were human, they were either pre-Adamites, meaning they were created long before Adam and Eve, or post-Adamites. In either case, uh, these were people engendered by separate creations, and thus were not proper objects for the application of Christian morality. I will say, though, um, both... So the accounting in the Genesis, there are multiple yeah. cases in which they reference the existence of other humans. Uh-huh. Um, Despite the fact, like they're just they've just gotten out of the Garden of Eden, they do reference other humans there. And when yeah. the biblical flood ends, I think there is also a reference to humans there. Um, so, so there is like scriptural evidence to point to that, but I wouldn't be like like I don't think that that's like the conclusion that you make from that. I think the conclusion you make from that is the Bible is not telling you the whole fucking story. Yeah, the, the conclusion they're coming to is just gr desperately grasping for straws to continue to well, justify the enslavement of, of Native and African people. Well, they like money too much, but they still want to go to heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, they love the amount of money they're getting, but they're like, but is this going to affect me getting into heaven? No, 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 no. No, no, we need to come up with so many loopholes. So I can uh, still enjoy my money. So I can still enjoy my money. So from this, I hope that the significance of the stones in the time, the specific time they were f found, is starting to become clear. Um, the Civil War is five years from when they were found. And the writing, like, in monogenesis and polygenesis, like, this is why it's a hot topic. So this is a bunch of things, like, coming to a point. Um, are they real? So... For the section, yeah, they're totally real, Brandon. They're real. You can touch. You can go look at them. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're physical, but like. <laughs> so for the section, you know what else is real? You know what else is real, Brandon? What's that? Uh, my fucking my uh, fucking Megatron, if that's the case, because I have a yeah. fucking Megatron sitting right next to me right now. Yeah. Uh, so for the section, I'll be using multiple sources. However. The one that first got me interested in this specific topic is the Archie Fantasies podcast, episode seven, um, hosted by archaeologists Sarah Heed and Ken Fader, professor of archaeology, uh, Connecticut State University, joined by Dr. Brad Lepper of Ohio State University and Jeff Gill, who is an avocational archaeologist whose undergrad was at Purdue University and is also a minister. Um, yeah, they do a lot of it's a super interesting podcast. But it's not cryptozoology, but it's like, it's, 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 it's us, but I mean, if we is... were like all doctors, but, and also talked about archaeology. To be fair, this is not, this is not cryptozoology either, but it fits into our, that's the reason why. So people have asked why we're not the cryptid, cryptopedia, cryptopedia, 
And it's because I didn't want to, I wanted to make sure we could do stuff other than cryptids because Broaden a lot scope. of cryptids are just like somebody saw something. Yeah. The, uh, but yeah, shout out Pseudo Archaeology Network for like, yeah, because <laughs> it, it, it's Pseudo Archaeology is a thing that is super interesting. Um, Brad and Jeff worked together on the Holy Stones, and it was Jeff himself who spotted the errors in Hebrew and posited who the perpetrator was, although they were identified as fakes from nearly the day they were found, uh, yeah. i.e. 1860. This <clears throat> So Abraham Giger wrote in the New York Times that the bungling work of an unskilled stonemason and the strangeness of some letters, as well as many mistakes and transpositions, was his fault. The letters are not antique and th uh this is not a relic of hoary antiquity um so it just tears into that shit right away brad and jeff point out that the first error in the hebrew was that the the it, it was perfectly modern in quotes he, he said and that it was the exact hebrew you would have seen in the jewish bible at the time not an older type course which again we, we we spoke out briefly earlier like yeah shit evolves over time and it is a really good way at like dating when things happened it's uh, great for dating dating text it is uh, another error was how characters were engraved saying that it was literally typeface carved into stone you could see the marks of a metal instrument carving it uh it was clear that it wasn't that old jesus if you're uh, gonna do a fake you might as well like try and do it the way that the people would have faked it would have done it if, if it was real. Use, use the same tools that would have been used at the time yeah. you're trying to recreate. Um, regarding the keystone, which is the first stone, uh, Jeff elaborates by what he means by typeface, by saying, it's like finding an object that's supposedly thousands of years old, but it's in Helvetica. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> that's a really, really good way to like clearly demonstrate the point he's trying to make. Um, yeah. They, he says they couldn't have been one minute older than 200 years ago, probably more recent than that, a type of face made for printing machines. Um, the latter was the Decalogue Stone, which seems to have resolved some of, resolved some of the issues found with the Keystone. The letters are forms, of, are, the letter forms are not a typeface, they don't look modern, they have been referred to as square Hebrew, in quotes. Um, it looks like a sort of alphabet that would have been designed to carve into stone. So, <laughs> and again, like, That's fair. the Decalogue was sort of an answer, or appears to have been an answer to all the criticism that immediately they, came out about the Keystone. They tried harder on it, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but some of the letters are rather unusual, in that they don't have any precedent in Hebrew orthography. Uh, looking like someone would have had sat down with a modern Exodus 20 citation of the Ten Commandments and gone through uh, to see which letter matches which. Um, however, there were transposition errors that would not have made sense unless someone was using a modern Hebrew Bible to help okay. them uh, with some letters uh, being, quote, unprecedented, uh, and that they didn't exist anywhere else. Okay. Um, I'll go into some specifics called out by them. Uh, and then uh, jump off uh, since letter forms, I suspect, may be less interesting to some listeners. <laughs> uh, the best example uh, that could be given is an example of the Revolution Era document 
like old constitution words congress and this is again what we spoke about before mm-hmm. the first s looks like an f but the second looks like a regular s um what we think as a regular S is actually a terminal S that was used in old typeface, right? The the last S, the terminal S, looks different. All these S's look like F's unless they're at the end of a word. The same thing applies to the Hebrew Bible and that some characters look different when printed at the end of a word rather than in the body of the word. And that the terminal form looks very similar to another letter, specifically the Duluth in Koth. Um the spelling, I'm unsure about those because he, he was saying that. Relating to the Decalogue stone, Doleth and Koth are completely different looking letters. The terminal of Koth looks like a Doleth and is transposed into the Decalogue stone. So mm-hmm. this was a guy at the time where they used terminal letters, mm-hmm. transposing terminal letters from an alphabet he didn't understand throughout words. Ah, uh, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so so yeah. he kind of he kind of showed his hand on accident. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and he received an email back. Uh, oh, sorry, I skipped a little bit. Uh, noting this, he went to the top, Dr. Frank Moore Cross, professor of Hebrew languages at Harvard University, who translated the Dead Sea Scrolls and asked, is there eh. any other reason for Koleth and Daleth uh, da- transposition that you could think of? And he received an email back saying, Jeffrey Gill certainly is right, and that there is no other explanation in the history of Hebrew other than somebody transposing from a modern alphabet to a supposedly Asian alphabet. So, which is cool, like, like, as, like, a guy, like, reading these for the first time in 2000-whatever, to be like, some guy did this exact transposition, and the guy that translated the, the Dead Sea Scrolls just goes... You fucking nailed it. That had to feel awesome for him. Yeah, that's, <laughs> right? that's fair, right? That like, had to be fucking rad. Um, yeah. Now, before I continue, if you're thinking, well, Warwick must have faked those stones, uh, most people agree he could not have. <laughs> like, he's so, not smart enough to do that. Okay, okay. In 1861, Warwick published a pamphlet that described his account of the artifact discoveries publishing woodcuts of the inscriptions found in the stones, and when comparing Wirick's woodcuts to the Decalogue, to the actual description, Wirick made at least 38 errors involving 256 characters. And he, he had that shit in front of him to look at. That's such a large, like... Like... So he's such a huge margin of error. He owned the originals and fucked up... 38 times with 256 characters copying that shit. Jesus Christ. So mistakes include illegible and omitted letters. Wirk's depiction of Moses on the woodcuts has inconsistencies as well. Wirk shows Moses wearing a beret instead of a turban. He also shows Moses a 19th, in a 19th century dress instead of a flowering robe shown on the stone. Wirk was an... If he was... If he was uh... If he was being graded, he would have gotten an 85 just on the letters alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He fucked up. Uh, Wirk is an amateur archaeologist and clearly demonstrated he is incompetent in making a copy of the stones for a pamphlet. Which brings us to the why. That being said, the stones are clearly a hoax, but also a a hoax someone put a hell of a lot of effort into. Um, Because he would have had to, like... Again, sit down, cross-reference different Bible passages in libraries, carve it into stone as someone who's clearly not a stone carver, Mm -hmm. 
gone through the work of putting them somewhere. Like, why the fuck well, would someone do that? Yeah, and also this is not this is not you know today where you can like Google uh, Ten Commandments in Hebrew, right? Like, exactly. You have to like you have to do some legwork to do this. Yeah, like you have to like make your own decoder key almost and be like yeah. this character and this al- alphabet is this character and this alphabet and then just also hope that it makes sense in the end because that's not how mm-hmm. languages work yeah. um and here's why i brought up monogenesis and polygenesis it is reasonable to assume that during this time period with the civil war looming that someone thought that if only monogenesis could have some significant boost in legit legitimacy then maybe Maybe the direction of history might be changed. Polygenesis was the mainstream scientific and political belief at the time, and monogenesis was more fringe at the time, uh, mostly in circles of Quakers and Episcopals who were talking in terms of uh, abolition. It's weird how often the Quakers are on the right side of history. Yeah. Uh, In 1839, there was a scientific publication called an Inquiry into the Origin of the Antiquities of America, written by John Delafield Jr. The preface was written by Bishop Charles Mc- McVaney, uh, the Episcopal Bishop for Ohio. For Ohio, so this is the same state. And okay. in this book, he writes, What a wonderful book the Bible is, but what connection has the Bible to American antiquity? Suppose that in searching the tumuli to- or the mounds, that were scattered so widely over this country, suppose that under one of those huge structures of earth which remains their works, a book was discovered, an alphabetical history that race, uh, what a wonderful that, uh, what a, ah, shit, what a wonderful world that would be. What a wonder that would be. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that, at the end of the essay, he writes, in reference to the question whether all races of men have descended from one common stock, the entwi- antiquities of the continent are especially interesting and may prove very great value. Right. So this is a bishop in the area writing a preface and closing someone mm-hmm. else's essay with like, gosh, if only someone found an artifact that could prove monogenesis, that would be pretty <laughs> rad. Um. <laughs> There are suppositions on who the stonecutter may have been. Reverend John W. McCarthy and Elijah Sutton were both residents of Newark when the Decalogue Stone and Keystone were found. Elijah Sutton was a stonecutter with no other direct link other than uh, his part of carving Warwick's headstone when he died. Uh, However, it is asserted that because the Decalogue Stone is made from similar materials and is of the same width and thickness... um, as his headstones, he must have cut the stone. As for Reverend John W. McCarthy, he played a more direct role in the artifact's discovery. It was with the help of McCarthy that the stone was translated. Upon receiving the stone, McCarthy was able to translate it within hours. Bull uh, fucking shit. Yeah. So I find these to hold no weight whatsoever because we know that the stones were a hoax and um, industry standard, in quotes, is a thing. All headstones were likely made within the same, like, range of thicknesses and sizes. Like, it's yeah. just, here's the type of stone you use to make headstones. Um, and with local stones, any stone cutter of the time could have had the same allegations when making the headstone for Wirk. Um, for McCarty, uh, he had to correct some errors in his first pass 
if he had seen the originator, uh, he would have likely gotten the translation correct the first time around. Um, mm-hmm. I'll close with this question that Archie Fantasies posed uh, halfway into their episode, and that was, if you thought by crafting a particular object, one that were cer- one that you were certain existed in some very similar form out there, and simply haven't found yet, and if you sincerely believe that discovering and publicizing this artifact could prevent a great civil war where tens, uh, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people would die, maybe even your own 80-year-old son, wouldn't you do it? Yeah. Totally reasonable thing throughout yeah. the context in which they were discovered. It, it It is, like, it is fairly reasonable, right? Like, yeah. Five five years later, the Civil War came, and if you were some guy who, like, you know a stonecutter, some bishop was like, yo, wouldn't it be fucking rad if, like, monogenesis was proven via alphabet found in a mound? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's perfectly reasonable, right? Um... Like, I, I don't think that, that there's anything particularly... Like, I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get right? it. I think the story is cooler than the things. Yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, usually that's the case, right? Yeah. Even with cryptids. Yeah. Especially with cryptids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so I'm yep. looking through uh, a... a talk about this like somebody writing an article about this and if i'm understanding correctly uh in order to make a forgery you would have to have something authentic to forge from there were no authentic monumental or block style hebrew writings known to exist in the 1860s when these stones were recovered this person's alleging that it's real oh that the stones are real yeah they're on um book of mormon evidence.org oh yeah that place <laughs> Which yeah. do it, I think I did I reference them earlier. I don't I know, know I've but been they to are, that website. They are absolutely claiming it's genuine. There's book of oh yeah because it's book of they need the Hebrew to prove we already covered that earlier. Yeah, yeah. So I know I saw book of Mormon evidence and then there's a uh, a website I went to uh, mormonheretic.org has a section about Hebrew in America. Mm. Jesus, they have a they have the 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 tagline for this is we report you decide come on which um you we report you decide newark holy stones i hate that that's always (laughs) that's such a cop out right yeah like like what a lazy what a like like way to not take a stance but actually no it's explicitly taking a stance if you ever if someone ever says you decide what they probably want is you to agree with them. There's so I'm of the opinion that in general, all writing has is biased and is written with the intent. Like, like even well, yeah. like I mean, with this episode, there's a goal. Every yeah. time you write something, there's a goal. Even if you're pretending to be neutral, there's a goal. Well, well, and your academic- own, even if you try to write neutrally, your own biases are going to bleed into it. I mean, in academic writing, that's even a thing, right? Like, yeah, literally every time I write a paper. I have to create a narrative before I can write it. Like, that's yeah. just a thing. Like, you have to do that. Otherwise, it doesn't read well. Full stop. Yeah. It, it's it's just the nature of the piece. Like, 
to allege that anyone is like completely fair and balanced isn't accurate, which is why it's important to actually have media literacy and be able to understand yeah. where people's like biases are. Like, I mean, you know, we try on this podcast to not be hyper. Well, we try to get as much of the information as possible. Right. Yeah. Whenever we design our, whenever we write our, 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 our episodes, but I will say, and I'll be honest, you know, our podcast is generally going to skew towards the side of disbelief, right? Yeah. Um, because we operate from the understanding, we operate from the extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence perspective, where yeah. we don't accept a hypothesis until we have like real data that's like beyond a shadow of doubt that this is what yeah. the thing is, right? Um, Which doesn't mean have- whatever other people like present doesn't have any meaning or significance we just don't yes. think it's significant enough to cross a, a, a line to, for it, full legitimacy it's not enough to cross the ontological threshold right yeah um where it suddenly changes our understanding of metaphysics and like the state of being um but like you do have to consider that when you consume media right like if somebody some people have biases right and if you don't consider that you're fucking up in general yeah um which is why media literacy is very important and like we have a real serious problem in our country with that because but like let's be real uh there's no really good reason for any business to like support media literacy and like honestly it's it's harmful to a lot of like political actors for people to be uh, media literate because it harms yeah. their like their bottom line so to speak um, yeah. and like their level of support so it's a problem, right? Yeah. Um, well, the problem anyway. is for for anyone that has a goal, if if you're trying co- to convince someone of something, the more people have the the greater number of people with a greater understanding on a thing that you're trying to convince them about, hurts you. It doesn't help you. you, you it's, yeah. 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 You don't, uh, you don't want people to know more necessarily. Yeah. Right. Um. But yeah. So. Um, yeah, that's all I got for this one. You got anything else? No, that's it. All right. Then in that case, uh, we'll, we'll, we should probably close the episode out. Um, cause otherwise I'll just rant endlessly about uh, <laughs> biases. <laughs> I worked on a game during my, uh, my internship at, uh, first playable that was talking yeah. about cognitive biases. So like that was uh-huh. my summer for, uh, a year. Um, you made a video game about cognitive biases. <laughs> I didn't make it. I worked on it. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it was a part of a. Uh, it was a part of a like scientific study. They were just yeah. like, doing multiple designs about it. The first edition I really liked because it was like a bunch of aliens. It was like an alien yeah. carnival, right? Which I thought was really cool. They changed it uh, midway through the summer, and they made yeah. it about like a prepper school where they're like prepping people, like like like. They did it in the style of like like doomsday prepper, yeah, like 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 somebody who's who's like taking a class on prep for like emergency yeah. situations and things along those lines. Okay, um, I liked the alien version better personally, but uh, that's just that's just a little behind uh, what is it behind baseball or whatever the yeah. fuck that thing is called. Um, uh, I don't know sport. Anywho, um. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh, our website is CryptopediaCast.com. Our Instagram is at CryptopediaCast. 
Our Twitter is at CryptopediaCast. I refuse to call it what Elon Musk is calling it. <laughs> um, I don't know what's going to happen with that. Like, honestly, I, I think I'm going to find out what is the best alternative to it because I really want to get off it because I don't want to support Elon Musk. Um, I think the man is a terrible, ter- like, singularly one of the worst businessmen in the history of He's- business. Like him and Donald Trump are basically fighting for worst businessman in my my He's, mind. They're 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 it's like they're trying to become millionaires but from the wrong direction. Exactly. <laughs> I'm I am so glad that Elon Musk was not born in America. <laughs> because that means he cannot attempt to run for president. <laughs> and that is the only thing that i can take solace in um there's what was i just saw one of the board apes was down to like four dollars of course (laughs) of course it is it means nothing i like i like i saw like somebody talking about like if you get an item then you mint an nft for that item and the item gets destroyed you still have the nft uh which is why nfts are a better investment than physical objects that uh that was their like that that was such like crazy troll logic. It's fucking wild. Um anywho, if you want to email us, our email is cryptopediacast at gmail.com or us at cryptopediacast.com. Our YouTube is uh at Cryptopedia, which I haven't uploaded an episode since the last one. I haven't uploaded the last episode, but that's mainly because I uh swapped I I upgraded my computer, so now I have a new motherboard and a oh, new nice. uh CPU, um, which means that uh, I had to reinstall Windows, so all of my environment is fucked up right now. So I have to like rebuild my environment. Um, okay. Uh, we also have an Etsy now, which is Cryptopedia ca- merch. Um, there's a link in the show notes if you're interested. Uh, there's stuff in it. There's stuff. There's in shirts it. and socks, mugs. Uh-huh. Working on uh, some. I gotta check with my sister, see where it's at. There's some some more artwork coming through. Jackalopes get discounts. We're still planning the humbler, the humbler 3.0. We're or whatever still we planning it. the humbler. There yeah. are not. I don't think we can do a sex toy. At least not the way I have the shop set up. The 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 the. I I have to check. I don't think I want to do a sex toy, Brandon. If I'm being completely honest with you. No, you don't want a. Um, I I don't. You don't want don't... a dildo shaped like a nightcrawler? <laughs> well, that changes things. You don't want a frogman butt plug? Maybe we should make a maybe. <laughs> Remember the Enfield monster, the Enfield horror art I did? Yeah, way back when. Maybe we should make a, <laughs> a Enfield monster replica based off of uh, my pixel art. We could do that, <laughs> which is basically just a dildo. <laughs> Um, we have a Patreon, um, and I just want to thank our Jackalope level patrons, um, just $5 a month or more. Um, we got Clay Sinclair, Marty Von Party, Bird Schneider, Jonathan Shepard, Will Smith, Lenwood Sharp, and Bushcraft Kelso. And Clay, I'm sorry that you, you broke your combo last time. (laughs) Um... We also have a Discord, which is in the show notes. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And if you have any monster requests or stories, send them in. 
uh, except Wendigo, which, you know, that's all. <laughs> that's the only that's the only one i mean i have a book on it i could theoretically write an episode about it yeah but at this point i think that whatever episode i make if i ever make an episode about wendigo it'll never be as good as like people would want it to be yeah um also you know all the implications of you know the wendigo effectively being a literary uh shorthand for white people nowadays um <laughs> Feels a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> Feels a little weird for two of the whitest humans ever to uh to cover that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I saw the sun yesterday. It looked at me through the window. <laughs> Damn it. Uh you could find and then me you on... gotta burn. Like just a you turned completely red. God, I thought about the sun and then I started peeling right away. Uh, you could find me on Instagram at donkey underscore hands. My website is boyerb.com. My email is brandon at cryptopediacast.com. And my Twitter is at cryptobrandon. I'm on Instagram at mu2057. My Twitter is at jfdunham, begrudgingly. My website is johndunhamgames.com. And my email is john at cryptopediacast.com. Our art was done by Tom Hill. You could find him on Instagram. At, hang on, copy. I'm uh, we're, we're, we're working on the fly. Working on the time. Uh, yeah, there. Whew. All right. Art was done by Tom Hill. You could find him on Instagram at Thomas Michael Hill. His website is Greater Glory Co. and TomMikeHill.com. I keep forgetting to add. He just has a. That's his, one's his T-shirt place, and the other one's his, his place place. It's and uh, nice. his email is TomMikeHill at gmail.com. It's pretty cool that he got a uh, TomMikeHill.com. Yeah. It's, um, everything he does is cool. Yeah. Look at I'm just on his website now, looking at stuff. Look at all this stuff. He's done, he's done, like, uh, didn't he do the Always Sunny podcast art as well? Yep, he did. He did the Always Sunny podcast. He did Dead Eyes podcast, think, Inside the Bubble podcast. I think he's done some podcast. stuff for the dollop, too. I want to say he did some dollop, with maybe a poster or a shirt or something. Something. I feel like I saw his art style on, on something dollop related. It's very distinct. He has a lot of it on his website. <laughs> he did posters, too. Um, he does a lot of stuff for, like, all things comedy. Uh, didn't he didn't like his so just remembering uh high school wasn't his like wise project like being like like relating to illustrating and stuff like that i want to say it was yeah anywho um wise is a thing you can take in our our area instead of taking english in uh your senior year um where you do a year-long project where you write a write a report on it basically and then give a presentation. The yeah. idea the idea is that writing up your report is effectively um well, to be fair, it is probably better than in most English classes that people are taking, right? Yeah. Um and it probably is better for your overall writing than uh than an English course. Um for most people. Unless you're a weirdo like me who is an AP everything. Um, <laughs> anywho, uh, I'm John. I'm Brandon. And uh, things are going to get weird. Weird. <laughs>